Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Brian, and this is Our Weird World. So today I'm going to be talking about something that came up in the news actually a few months ago. I actually didn't know about it actually until just recently, maybe a few weeks ago I first heard about it. I had no clue that this thing existed, that this was ever done. It was totally just something I was unaware of, but it's kind of interesting looking into the history of what it is, um, how it came about, some of the ideas behind it. What am I talking about today? I'm talking about a thing called the Georgia Guidestones. So what were, were the, exactly were these Guidestones? So it was a statue that stood at 19 feet, 3 inches tall. Like I said, it was made out of granite. Uh, these big granite slabs, there are actually six of them. And I'll describe exactly how they're laid out here in a little bit. Now, altogether, their total weight was 237,000. Did I say that right? 237,746 pounds or 107,840 kilograms. So extremely heavy altogether. Now, a lot of people referred to them as the American Stonehenge. The The look and the style of it definitely resembled Stonehenge. I think that's where it came from. And kind of the ideas behind it and, and what they represented. It, it's Stonehenge has a lot more, I think, uh, theories behind it. And, and there's obviously a lot more history behind Stonehenge. They've been standing for much, much longer, obviously, than these stones since these were just erected in 1980. But anyway, so the creator actually thought that the monument would stand, yeah, pun intended, to serve as a guide, hence the name Guidestone, for humanity after a, um, they described it as a social, uh, nuclear, or economic calamity is the specific word that they used uh, would occur. So they wanted these to be as, like, like I said, Guidestone, a guide for humanity after some such massive calamity occurred and basically either destroyed humanity, ripped humanity apart, or, or killed mass populations, essentially. Now, the stones, like I said, they become subject of various conspiracy theories, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But the main one, the biggest one that, that I think probably had a part to do with its destruction, um, just extreme individuals that didn't like what it was, a lot of people thought that it represented satanic secret societies and cult worship was it for that i don't believe so we'll talk about some of the ideas in a little bit like i said on in july it was destroyed so it actually specifically was july 6th of this year 2022 there was significant damage from a bombing there was somebody that had placed a bomb on it and exploded it at roughly 4 a.m i tried to look up i found a, a video and they showed anywhere from between about 3.40 a.m. to about 4 a.m. as far as what occurred. So it was somewhere around that time when it was actually damaged. Now the damage was so great that local authorities did deem it to be unsafe. And that's why they actually had the remainder of it dismantled and destroyed. Now later in that same month, uh, towards the end of July, Albert, excuse me, Elberton Mayor Daniel Graves, he actually announced plans to reconstruct the monument. He wanted to rebuild it. But it seems like the rest of the city 
they had other plans and the city council actually voted to donate the remaining uh, damaged stones to the Elberton Granite Association there. The city council also voted to return the five acres that this monument stood on, the, the land that it was within that was purchased originally, back to the previous owner's family. And we'll talk about them a little bit as, as far as who they were. So how exactly did this monument come to be? Let's talk about a little bit of its history and, and before it was actually built. So in June of 1979, a gentleman by the name of Robert C. Christian, this was not his real name. This was actually a pseudonym or alias that this individual went by. Now he actually approached the Elberton Granite Finishing Company there in the local area to have this structure commissioned and built. He stated it would be on the behalf of, quote, a small group of loyal Americans. So also he told them that the monument would act as a calendar, a clock, a compass, and that it should also be able to, quote, withstand catastrophic events. Well, unfortunately, it seems like it didn't withstand catastrophic events of a bombing. <laughs> That's very unfortunate. But like I said, I guess he didn't see July 6th uh, of this year coming. Now, the man that actually, this uh, Robert C. Christian that commissioned the stones, he actually said his pseudonym was a reference to Christian religion, uh, quote, if you will, Christian religion. That, that's the explanation that he gave. There are some th theories as to this that I will mention a little bit as well uh, pertaining to his pseudonym. And I'm, throughout this, I'm just going to refer to him as Robert C. So Robert C., he actually wanted his monument to rival that of Stonehenge in England, like I had mentioned previously. And he did draw inspiration from it after having gone to England to see the real Stonehenge. So the, as far as the actual structure, the way it looks, he drew direct inspiration from Stonehenge. And like I said, if you look at the pictures of it, if you look it up online, I'll have some pictures as well, like I said, you can definitely see that direct inspiration from Stonehenge. Now, Robert C. also stated, though Stonehenge was impressive, he felt it had no message to communicate. Of course, there, like I said, there are a lot of theories and conspiracy theories behind Stonehenge itself. It's stood for thousands of years. But that's just what he said. Perhaps in the future I'll do an episode about Stonehenge. I mean, it's it's uh, it has some interesting history in itself, so we'll see, maybe. So, after Robert C.'s request to have this monument commissioned, Joe Fendley of Elberton Granite thought Robert C. was a, quote, nut. Joe even gave Robert C. Uh, price quotes that were several times higher than any project of this magnitude basically an attempt to dissuade Robert C. from going through with the project. Joe would also go on to tell Robert C. his company would have to acquire new tools and consultants for the project. Despite all of this, the high quotes, having to get other people involved, Robert C., he accepted. He said, okay, let's do it. Once they made arrangements for the payment, Robert C. claimed, quote, he represented a group which had been planning to construct the Guidestones for 20 years. So this is something that they had been thinking about and had an idea for quite a while. Mind you, this is 1979, so this is going back to the late 50s when they were considering or planning on building such a monument. Also, this group actually wanted, they did want to remain anonymous. That kind of led, leads people to, you know, a lot of the different conspiracy theories that they wanted to remain anonymous. Maybe they're just, you know, they didn't want, maybe they wanted it for humanity and for people but just didn't want any of that notoriety to go along with it. Who knows? We'll see when we talk about some of the theories. Now, after he 
agreed, said, yes, let's do it. The exact amount that was agreed upon has never been revealed. Um, I actually tried to look it up and see. Uh, there's, I couldn't find anything that actually stated the exact dollar amount that he paid in 1979 to commission this. But it is, some people do believe that it was probably well over $100,000 at the time in 1979. So basically in today's uh, dollar in 2022, that would be approximately the equivalent of $370,000. So after this, Robert C., he did make a scale model of the monument with 10 pages of specifications for its construction. He was very precise in what he wanted uh, out of it and, and how he wanted it built. And there are, it is pretty neat once we get into the details of it. It, it, is, it is pretty cool. So this and all the, the stuff talking about Stonehenge, it actually reminded me of, uh, if you've seen the movie Spinal Tap, there's a scene where the guitarist, uh, Nigel, they're talking about a song that they have called Stonehenge and they're at like a diner and he gets a napkin and they're talking, yeah, let's, let's have this statue of Stonehenge, you know, for a, a stage, uh, you know, a, a stage set piece. Right. And he's drawing, he's like, yeah, this is what it's going to look like. Here's Stonehenge. And the marking he puts, he doesn't put the indicator for feet. He puts the indicator for inches on accident. And then so later they're playing this concert in this little tiny, I don't remember what it was like 15 or 18 inches or something whatever the size was they lower it down from the the overhead and you see this little tiny little foam stonehenge lower down to the stage and it's it's super tiny and of course they have this guy on stage that is a is a dwarf and he's dancing around i don't remember if he's supposed to be like an elf or something like that and he's dancing around this little stonehenge that's smaller than him and the whole band's looking at it like what the heck happened so it it just talking about all this the stonehenge the the design of this and then the the his exact specifications and measurements kind of reminded me of this, that part in, in Spinal Tap. If you haven't seen Spinal Tap, go watch it. It's an absolutely hilarious movie. Anyways, so continue on, on about the uh, Guidestones. So the monument, like I said, it was located on a five-acre site that was actually purchased from what I've seen in some of my resources. Some say it was a farmer. Some say it was a contractor. I, I'm Most of what I've seen says that the, the gentleman was a farmer and it makes sense with the, the kind of land and uh, the size of that it was. Anyways, his name was Wayne Molinix. So apparently him and his children were actually given cattle grazing rights for this property even after the land was purchased. So they still had the rights to let their cattle graze on this property, which, okay, that's nice that they still allowed them to do that. So this, this is why I said I, I believe that it was a farmer. Like I said, some of the resources said it was a contractor. I guess I could see that you could be a contractor and still have a farm. I, I, you know, why not? Sure. Right. But we'll just call him a farmer. So they allowed him to do this, but later they closed it off because the cattle were actually using the stones as basically a scratching post. So they actually put fencing around it to keep the cattle out. So where exactly is the site? Where, where is this piece of property? So it's actually near Georgia state route route. I'll say route. Cause in the last episode I said route, right? I do. I do tend to say route more than route. So anyways, it was off of near Georgia State Route 77, and it was approximately seven miles north of the city of Elberton. That's where the Elberton Granite Finishing Company was used to commission to build it. He wanted a local company to provide the granite and to build it. So when these stones were actually completed and erected, there was an unveiling ceremony that took place on March 22, 1980. Uh, Congressman at the time, Doug Bernard, he actually did the unveiling in front of an audience of 
what most of my resources stated was about anywhere from be between 200 and 300 people. At this unveiling ceremony, the master of ceremonies, he read a message to the audience, and this is what it said, quote, in order to avoid debate, we, the sponsors of the Georgia Guidestones, have a simple message for human beings now and for the future. We believe our precepts are sound and they must stand on their own merits. Um, it was also believed that the monument would become a regional tourist attraction. And it makes sense. You know, you build it, you know, and it's, it's this tall, giant granite statue. Very impressive. Yeah, sure, you want to attract tourists, right? And it was very expensive to build. So as of 2022, before its destruction, um, I actually found a report that stated that their annual visitors of the site would averaged uh, 20,000 visitors annually. So not bad. It, it seemed to be okay. Doing a little calculation, that uh, comes out to an average of about 55 people per day throughout, throughout its whole lifetime. So not, not too bad. There were people coming and going to see it. Now, we have an understanding of how this monument came about. So let's talk about exactly what it was. I'm, we're going to talk about the exact specifics of it, the how big it was, the individual stones, what was on it, what it looked like. So again, I'm going to have pictures of this so you can check it out. If you want to go online, you can do uh, image searches for it. Uh, it. They are pretty impressive. So physically, it stood, like I said, 19 feet, 3 inches tall at, at its tallest. It weighed 237,746 pounds. Now, it had four major stones that were 16 feet, 4 inches tall. Each of these weighed an average of 42,400 pounds, or about a little over 19,000 kilograms. These four were arranged in a cross pattern with a fifth column stone in the center that was also 16 feet, 4 inches tall. And this one alone weighed just under 21,000 pounds, or right around 9,500 kilograms. There was a capstone that was placed on top of all five of these, and it measured nine feet, eight inches long, six feet, six inches wide, and one foot, seven inches thick. And this stone alone weighed uh, 24,800 pounds, or about 11,200 kilograms. There were also different supporting stones at the base that ranged in size from four feet, two inches, up to seven feet, four inches long and anywhere from two feet to two feet two inches wide and anywhere from one foot four inches to one foot seven inches thick these also weighed anywhere from about 2700 pounds to almost 4900 pounds or roughly 1200 kilograms to just over 2200 kilograms so altogether, the stones measured 951 cubic feet or just under 27 cubic centimeters of granite stone so it's pretty impressive. It's, it's a lot of granite. So it was a very large structure. Uh, you can definitely, from these measurements, get an idea of its physical size. Now, on the stones, there were inscriptions of 10 guidelines. Now, this is where it gets its namesake, guide stones. The inscriptions were in eight different languages. So it was one language on each face of the four large stones that were making the cross pattern. So you can imagine you have two faces on each each stone, right? So on each side, there was a different language. So you had eight different languages. They all said the same thing, but it was in eight different languages. Now, these languages that it was inscribed in include English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, traditional Chinese, and Russian. 
And if you move clockwise around the stones, that's the that's how you'll see them. That as far as the direction going clockwise, it's it's in that order: English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russian. Again, these inscriptions they were meant as a guide for humanity to quote conserve nature after such a calamity, at, like I had previously mentioned, you know, such as a nuclear does that uh, you know nuclear war or some sort of societal collapse, economic collapse, things like that. I'm going to read them here in just a second. This they almost read almost like a almost like a Ten Commandment sort of. Um, I'm going to read them. The inscription reads as follows. And again, they're in eight different languages going around. And it's all the same thing. So I'm going to read them in order from top to bottom. And I'm going to I'm going to read a number in front of it. There there aren't actual numbers on the stones, but they read from top to bottom in this order. So one, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Three, unite humanity with a living new language. Four, rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Six, let all nations rule internally resolving external disputes in a world court. Seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. And ten, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. So it seems as though the creators were wanting humanity to live by some decent ideas after, like I said, or like they had put a ma- major calamity devastates Earth, right? Now some of those uh, ten listed seem a little controversial, perhaps, but they're they're trying to set up, you know, not necessarily rules. Again, they're called guidestones. It's it's they're trying to use it as a guiding ideas towards a future after something were to happen now it kind of makes you wonder about these so-called calamities that they had mentioned now, again this is back in the late 70s when they had contracted this and it was built in, in 1980 obviously that over 40 years ago but you think about things that are going on in the world right now you constantly hear news about the economy and that you know we're coming towards a recession and that there's going to be another major crash is that going to happen I, I don't know I'm, I'm I try to keep up with that kind of stuff but I'm definitely not an economist but then you also look at things like COVID-19 right that came about at the end of 2019 that has devastated the world you know it, it's extremely unfortunate we had this virus came about that has killed people around the globe and we continue to see it and, and it continues to spread obviously you know we, we've gotten better about it you know we have vaccines it seems like there's a light at the end of the tunnel for that but is this one of those calamities maybe they foresaw something like this maybe not specifically COVID-19 but maybe something like that you know I don't know perhaps let me know what your thoughts are on it or is this supposed calamity yet to come is it something that we're going to see in the future again looking at worldwide events even look at what's going on over you know in russia with uh, russia and ukraine and all of that that's going on and that and that that war that's going on is that one of the the calamities i don't know it's kind of scary to think 
these different things that have been happening in the last few years, but we'll see what the future holds, right? So even one thing that they mentioned was social calamity. And it kind of makes you think about like social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all these different platforms that people use for social media outreach, right? I think a lot of them are great and can definitely be used for keeping in touch with somebody. Maybe somebody you haven't talked to in years or somebody that lives really far away. That's fantastic. That's awesome. I think it's a great idea. But unfortunately, you can see how negative it can get really quick. People seem to think they can just say and do whatever they want on these social media platforms without any sort of repercussion. And and it, it is pretty sad sometimes seeing the comments and what people say to each other. So anyways, these different supposed calamities, it, it's some pretty scary thoughts, right? I don't know. We, like I said, we'll see what the future brings. There's some scary stuff out there, but just try to live day by day, I guess, right? And do the best we can individually and collectively, right? Anyway, so going back to the stones, let's, let's get back on track here and talk about them. Now, there was another stone that was placed level with the ground that actually listed various facts about the guidestones. It actually stated their like specifications. Um, this included the size, the weight, and astronomical features of the stone, which we're going to get to here in just a moment. It also mentioned that there was a time capsule having been buried underneath the structure. However, the space where it mentions the time capsule, they're actually blank spaces that were obviously meant for the dates it was placed and the date that they wanted it to be opened. So this led some people to believe that there was actually no time capsule ever placed because it had been left blank. I can understand that, yeah, being that these spaces were blank, there were no dates and times, perhaps they didn't. Maybe they had something planned but just never placed it. I don't know, that seems a bit unusual that you would have this cut into the stone but then not finish it and never have anything buried. So after the structure's removal in July, um, officials actually did dig down underneath it and they found nothing. There was nothing there. So who knows? Like I said, maybe they did not actually bury a time capsule. As I had mentioned about the astronomical features, on the left side of this tablet, there was text that read as follows. And it said, Astronomical features. One, channel through stone indicates celestial pull. Two, horizontal slot indicates annual travel of sun. Three, sunbeam through capstone marks noontime throughout the year. Author, R.C. Christian, a pseudonym. Now, pseudonym was actually misspelled. It was actually spelt pseudonym. That's actually etched on the stone. That wasn't just me misspeaking. It was actually misspelt. And then the rest of it said, Sponsors, a small group of Americans who seek the age of reason. Time capsule, placed six feet below this spot on, and it was blank, to be opened, and that too was blank. There were no date. Also with these astronomical features written, there were physical features too. The four other stones were actually oriented to mark the limits of the 18.6 year lunar declination cycle. So this is a cycle for when the moon reaches its furthest north or furthest south point during the course of what is called a draconic month of about 27.2 days. And the declination at lunar standstill varies in cycle of 18.6 years. So these are also called the minor and major lunar standstills. The next minor lunar standstill will actually occur in May of 2034. And the next major standstill 
will occur in January of 2025. So this would have actually probably been pretty cool to see, you know, moving into the future and especially coming up here in a couple of years in January of 2025. Now, obviously this is something you can still experience, but if these stones were still standing, you could actually have gone there January 2025 to experience this. You know, I'm, I'm sure people had experienced it previously, you know, 18.6 years prior to that, but I couldn't find any accounts of, of what people said or what they saw or experienced. Also, the center column had a hole drilled through it at such an angle that the North Star could be observed. This same column also had a slot carved which aligned with the sun's solstices. So that's summer and winter solstice. And then it also was aligned for the equinoxes as well, the spring and fall equinox. There was a 7 eighths inch or 22 millimeter aperture that allowed a ray of sunlight to pass through at noon every single day and would actually shine a beam of light down on the center stone indicating the day of the year. So this was your calendar. So it seemed as though someone had done some pretty good research as to these lunar and solar cycles and included them as features on the stones. That seems pretty cool. That probably would have been pretty impressive to see. However, there was an astronomer from University of Georgia, Loris Magnani. Pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. If, if I mispronounce it, I apologize. Now this astronomer, they actually stated that these features were, quote, mediocre at best. So apparently they weren't wholly accurate from the sounds of it, that it probably was cool to see, but it just wasn't quite as accurate as they had planned it to be, is what it sounds like. So now the stones and their inscriptions, they were described as uh, Christians in general, as a guide for future generations to manage limited resources. You could see that in the, in the 10 things I listed I read, especially after, again, these supposed calamities. Uh, the inscriptions have also been accused of promoting eugenics and even genocide. You kind of think about like the, the 500 million population, whereas now what's the world population? Like over 8 billion now, something like that. This again will lead into some of the conspiracy theories surrounding the monument. So according to one report from Wired magazine, unspecified opponents have actually labeled the stones as the quote, 10 commandments of the antichrist. Some advocates have called the monument satanic as well. Uh, some individuals claim that the stones themselves are actually from satanic origins. Others that Robert C. Christian himself belonged to a Luciferian secret society relating to Luciferianism, which this is the belief in Lucifer as a, as a mythological figure associated with the planet Venus and not such as related to the devil. That a lot of people believe that this guy that had the pseudonym of Robert C. Christian, belonged to this. Those that thought this actually direct, directly related it to the New World Order, NWO, which is a conspiracy theory that hypothesizes a secret totalitarian world government with a globalist agenda to eventually rule the world through, authoritarian, through an authoritarian one world government. And reading some of those lists from the 10, you can kind of see where they're getting the idea of that uh let me see let me go back there was one that uh da, 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 where is it at there's you know where you talk about uh, number six let all nations rule internally resolving external disputes in a world court okay avoid petty laws and useless officials so you can kind of 
understand where people are leaning with that and the idea of that of the new world order now there's another theory that comes from conspiracy theorist jay widener or widener apologize if i mispronounced that last name jay widener is what i'm gonna say now he claims the pseudonym rc christian robert c christian resembles that of rose cross christian or christian rosenkreutz i believe that's how you pronounce it this was the founder of the Rosicrucian Order. Now, the Rosicrucian Order is a spiritual movement that arose in, in Europe during the uh, 17th century. And the mysterious doctrine of the order is, quote, built on esoteric truths of the ancient past, which, quote, concealed from the average man, provide insight into nature, the physical universe, and the spiritual realm. So was the man known as Robert C. Christian a part of this group or such a group? You know, like I said, the Rosicrucians manifesto stated, the even stated, excuse me, it also stated the word RC should be their seal, mark, and character. Okay, I can see where this uh, conspiracy theorist Jay is coming from, the ideas behind the pseudonym resembling this organization and kind of the ideas, again, the, the doctrine and the manifesto behind it. I can see that. I can understand that. that that's kind of a, a neat idea, neat theory. Um, do I wholly believe it? Uh I don't know it's i think that was a really good possibility again because this was a pseudonym that this person took they they and the group that helped fund it wanted to remain anonymous perhaps they were all a part of this maybe it was all kind of one group and they agreed that we should you know use this pseudonym for this order right it's possible now throughout their 40 years of standing the stones had been vandalized vandalized quite regularly usually with spray paint um, and statements were typically written that stated things such as death to the new world order. Uh, there were some that wrote, Jesus will beat you, Satan. Uh, there are others that said, you will not succeed. And very similar sentiments to that. Um, I'll try to find some pictures of that and post that as well. There is actually one phrase that was found sprayed in September of 2014 that said, I am Isis, God of love. Not to be confused with Isis, the terror group. This is Isis, the god of love, who was an each Egyptian goddess who was a part of the Osiris myth in which she resurrected her slain brother and husband, King Osiris. Was it somebody just out there spraying this just to be silly? Just, or was it, again, another conspiracy that, you know, this was Isis? I don't know. It's... I couldn't really find much behind that one particular, but I just find it interesting that somebody spray painted that I am Isis, goddess of love. You know, were they against these stones and, and were trying to say, you know, let's let's love each other? Or was it more of that the Egyptian goddess, like I said, a part of the the Osiris myth? I don't know. I I, I think it maybe was just somebody trying to make a a comment about that and it never really went anywhere else. But let me know what your thoughts are on it. You know, maybe you have a different idea behind it. I'd love to hear it. Please let me know. So going back to its destruction, on July 6th of this year, 2022, an explosive device was placed on the stones and severely damaged the stone slabs. Uh, some residents in the area actually reported hearing and feeling the explosion. Again, like I said, roughly around 4 a.m. There were security cameras that were up in the area. They had been erected years prior because of all the vandalism. And they did record a silver sedan 
in the area around that time shortly before 4 a.m. So this vehicle became the lead suspect, um, but even the video that I've seen of it, I'll try to find it and share it. It's it's a pretty grainy video. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what the vehicle is. It's like I said, it's, it's a silver sedan. There really hasn't been anything else come of it as far as identifying anybody uh, even now as to, you know, who what what the car was or who it belonged to or anything like that. Now, the stones that remained after this, they, like I said, they were actually dismantled again for safety reasons. Now, the Elbert County Sheriff's Office and the GBI, which is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, they did hold an investigation after the bombing. Later on July 14th and also on July 25th, they had released updates basically saying that there was no progress in the case. They really had nothing to go on. They had, uh, in these reports, they, excuse me, in these updates, they had reported that there was no known motive, there were no suspects that have been identified, and despite there being this vehicle seen and recorded in the recordings, they weren't able to identify specifically who it belonged to or any, anybody involved. So it is pretty unfortunate from that standpoint that they haven't been able to find who was involved or who did this, regardless of what your thoughts are on the monument. It is still a crime. Um, and actually talking about that being saying that it is a crime, if an individual or a group of individuals were to be caught, uh, the county sheriffs and GBI actually stated that the sentencings of, it, of, this, of this incident could carry a minimum of 20 years in prison as the monument was actually considered a, a public building. It was actually... That's actually what it was considered under its construction was a public building. And because they blew it up with a bomb, the destruction of this would carry a minimum of 20 years in prison if somebody were caught for it. So that's that's pretty serious. That's definitely some serious prison time for that. So I'll try to keep up with this in the future. If I see or hear any more about it, you know, I'll, I'll post it on the Facebook group. Um, if you know any more about it, let me know. Um, you know, this is something here in the U.S., you know, I'm sure there are plenty of people that uh, know about it, especially from that region uh, in Georgia. Again, I, I didn't know about it until just a few weeks ago when I just happened uh, upon a news article about it. And I thought, oh, this is kind of interesting. So I read about it a little bit and thought it'd be, be kind of fun to talk about. So yeah, let me know what your thoughts are. Were they meant to be an American Stonehenge like so many people like to call it? Or was that just a, a name? People, hey, it's the American Stonehenge, right? Were they placed as part of some secret society and their desire to rule the world? Or was it something else? You know, let me know what your thoughts are. I don't want to take too strong of a stand on it. Um, you know, I have my own personal beliefs and ideals behind it that definitely go to my own personal religious beliefs and political beliefs. But I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to put that out here. I want to remain unbiased. But if you have opinions or ideas or, or ideals, let me know. I, I would love to discuss it. You know, I'd love to discuss it in a manner that, you know, in, in a constructive manner. You know, I, I wouldn't want to get it too, let it, let a conversation get too heated one way or another as far as religion or political beliefs or whatnot. So in, in things like this, I try to remain as unbiased as possible. So I don't want to bring my own personal opinions too much. I might sometimes, but again, I, I want to put it out there for you as the listeners as here's the facts that I have found. Here's what it is. What are your thoughts? But if you want to reach out to me and discuss it more as far as your ideas or, or any more findings maybe that you have, 
yeah, let me know. I would again, I would love to hear it. I think this is a really neat topic. Um, I would have loved to have personally seen these again. I didn't know about them, so you know that was my ignorance for not being aware of it. But it would have been cool to see. But looking at the pictures of them online, it it is a pretty impressive what they were. It was pretty neat. So yeah, reach out with any thoughts or ideas. You can find me again on Facebook, Our Weird World. I'll have a link as always the uh, episode notes. Uh, also, you can find me on uh, via email at ourweirdworldpodcast at gmail.com. Please reach out, send me your thoughts, say hi, whatever you like. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.